We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We're just saying that it's off to a nice start. Why does it have to be all or nothing all the time? Like, what am I doing? I'm doing it for the show. Field of 68 till I die. This is the Field of 68 After Dark Show, the only place that you need to be for college hoops every single night. It's the Field of 68 After Dark, presented as always by Bet Rivers and live on a thirsty Thursday. On Sirius XM Channel 84, my name is Greg Waddell. And I got to be honest, gentlemen, and to our listeners at home, I played a little point guard in my life here and there. I don't think I've ever been flanked by two scorers the way that I am flanked here tonight. We've got Pitt's own Ashton Gibbs. We've got Clemson's own Terrence Oglesby. Ashton, how you doing tonight, man? I'm doing well, man. I can't wait. What's up, T.O.? Man, the, the much uh, less important guy is is here as well the all-american ashton gibbs it's an honor to be in his presence and uh brother gregory you better be a good passer because we're going to talk about a team today that wasn't a great passing team moving forward and it worries me but we talked about some of that my man ashton if he gets a good shot and he has a good point guard he played with levance fields it's a bucket he credited his whole career to levance fields he said thank you levance that was the whole story of that but i'm excited to be here long couple of days (laughs) Yeah, we'll get to the long couple of days that you had this week, T.O. T.O. is fresh off of a trip on the East Coast to Providence, uh, which, you know, depending on who you are from the field of 68, they like some of us and they don't like all of us. Uh, I'm very excited to hear how the fans receive Mr. Terrence Oglesby. Tonight, we are also going to look back at Texas Tech's comeback win against Baylor. We're going to have to talk about my Wolverines huge win at Iowa. But first, fellas, we're going to start with the number three team in the country who was in action tonight. That would be the Arizona Wildcats, fresh off of a 14-point win at home against Oregon State. This was only a two-point game at half. Arizona gave up 42 points to the three-win Oregon State team who made a tournament run last year, but they have fallen pretty hard to start this season. Azulis Tubelis, Ben Matherin, both 20 points tonight. Uh, Arizona's up to second on Ken Palm. They're 23 and two overall. Do they belong in the number one overall seed conversation with teams like Gonzaga and Auburn? T.O., let's go to you first. I feel like right now they definitely do. That team defends at such a tremendously high level. Now, when it comes to tournament play, I have some worries. But for the most part, guys, 
extreme length around the perimeter. Tabellus is starting to get healthy again. Kirk Creasa was good tonight. Didn't overshoot the basketball. Only took four shots. Ended up with six assists. He's the key to this team. Benedict Mathura, we all know that he's terrific. That pro potential type player, top 15 pick type player. I don't know where they have him. Don't ask me. I haven't looked at those draft boards in a long time, but his, he oozes potential and scoring ability, and that's going to help you. I worry a little bit about their point guard play, but if Kirk Creasa plays like he did tonight, they can give anybody a rub for their money. Top three team for sure. Moving into the tournament, there's some things you got to look out for, but right now this team defends at such a high level, it's hard to ignore them, Ashton. Oh, for sure. Tommy Lloyd has his team playing really well um, at the right time as well. Um, I, I think the key, like you said, T.O., uh, Kirk Creasa will be the key. He, he makes good decisions offensively, um, but he's been a little up and down shooting the ball. I think uh, the more consistent he is, the, the better they can be. But you talk about talent level, uh, Tubelis, Christian Coloco, um, even Dalen Terry, um, and then Ben Matherin. He's, he's a lottery pick in my, in my book. I think these guys are top five, easily a, a number one seed to me. So with Arizona, you guys both hit on it. And this is this is something I'm very interested to see how it plays out as we head into March. They are a top five team, no question. Resume wise, they belong. They're right up there with Gonzaga. They're right up there with Auburn. I honestly think they're in a very similar spot to Gonzaga. As far as quality teams they're going to play in conference, like I, they really only play three teams that are top 50 Ken Palm teams in that Pac-12 and for the most part, they've taken care of business. You have to tip your cap to them. The larger question to me is, how is this team going to fare in March? And the reason I say that is because I don't trust Kirk Creasa at all. I have some numbers from his latest stretch. He's 31% from the floor on eight shots a game, 32% from three on seven shots a game in conference, single digit points in eight of their last 11 games. And for me, when I look at teams like Auburn and Gonzaga, who both deserve to be in the conversation for number one overall seed, but also deserve to be in the conversation for me of potential national champion teams, when the going gets tough for them, for Auburn, I think Jabari Smith's going to find his way to the ball and make a good play. For Gonzaga, I trust Andrew Nemhard and I trust Drew Timmy if the ball's in his hands. For, for Arizona, I trust Ben Matherin. I just don't know that I trust the ball's going to find its way to him if the ball's in Kirk Kreese's hands. Am I crazy for that? Or is that a big enough red flag to prevent you from trusting this team in March, T.O.? No, I think you're, you're spot on. And he's so emotional. And that works in his favor. And it also works against him. You saw in their game against UCLA, what do you end up going 0 for 12 or something like that? He gets too wound up. Actually, let me ask you this. You played with a hell of a point guard. I mentioned him earlier today. Levance Fields, how many times did you see him get really rattled? I'm talking completely take him out of his game rattled. It couldn't have happened too much. You need guys that are that steadying force. He's not that. And the tournament has a lot riding on it. You win, you lose, you go home. For him to get riled up like that, that's got to hurt. I got to ask you, how was it playing with Levance? Because I just remember him being so solid. Oh, for sure. And he held himself accountable first and foremost. And I think that's the sign of a great leader. Um, he held himself accountable and everybody kind of followed his lead. And uh, he was sure of himself. Uh, he, he was a pass first point guard. And that's what Kirk Kreese, I think, is still trying to find himself. What, what does yep. he do? Does he shoot? Does he pass? Um, and I can just tell his decision making kind of uh, gets rattled at, at times. And I think that makes him a little bit emotional. So um, they definitely need him to, to play well. One thing is going to put more pressure on Ben Matherin. 
I think if he goes crazy in the NCAA tournament and even the conference tournament, you know, the sky's the limit. Um, and we'll, we'll see. Uh, I think with Tommy Lloyd as the head coach, he's been through a lot of big time games at Gonzaga we've seen. And uh, he, he'll be fine. I, I think Arizona will be fine. Ashton, obviously Tommy Lloyd's done a great job. You mentioned him twice already, giving him credit for this Arizona team, which I think is totally fair. Is he the coach of the year for you at this point? There's a lot of other guys who've done a good job. We're going to talk about Mark Adams, who's one of them. But, I mean, I, I didn't see this Arizona team coming. And I know it's easy to point to them now and say they have a ton of talent. But, man, like I, this team was a fringe top 25 team to start the season, all the way up to number three right now. Is that your coach of the year at this point? Uh, I, I think it's either between him, Tommy Lloyd, and Ed Cooley. I think you, you look at the Providence Friars. Uh, I don't think anybody expected this um, in, in terms of being one of the top teams in the country uh, coming out of nowhere and how hard they play, how consistent they are, how even kill and how, how they play um, just under pressure. I think well composed, one of the hardest playing teams in the country as well. Um, I would give it personally to Ed Cooley right now, but Tommy Lloyd is definitely deserving also. The cupboard wasn't bare when he got to Arizona, let's be clear. It certainly wasn't bare. There's a lot of talent on that roster. And Coloco has taken yet another step of being one of the best rim protectors in college basketball. I think Tommy Lloyd deserves consideration, but at the same time, you got to look at what he walked into. It wasn't terrible. So here's my thing. I would go with Ed Cooley for all the same reasons that Ashton said, but the all, another reason is he's doing all this. Were they 21 and three? He's doing all this and he's only, he doesn't have a player in his starting five, that's a lock first team, all big East player and a lot of coaching. When you're in a place like Providence, you're not going to get McDonald's all Americans. What you'd have to do is you have to find the right puzzle pieces. He has found perfect puzzle pieces for that basketball team. They all fit perfectly around one and each other. Bynum who can create Justin Manaya, who just wants to defend and shoot corner threes, Nate Watson, who can go to the bat, who can score some with the basket. They played a great game against Villanova. Villanova was just methodical in that in that win. But I, I would go with Ed Cooley because right now you got to that luck thing on Kim Palm. You got to make your own luck, and he's made his own luck. He has made some terrific decisions as far as personnel is concerned, and he X's and O's his team to death to where he puts them in position to win, and they've done so at a high level this year. So I would go with Ed Cooley. So in preparation for the show, I was looking back trying to remember the last time that two of the top three title contenders were West coast teams. And in doing so, I stumbled upon the fact that there hasn't been a team West of the state of Texas that has won a national championship in the last 25 seasons. Um, now you guys both played power conference ball at the highest level in very competitive conferences. Um, but I I'm curious, do you buy that conference play and the, the, difficulty of your schedule plays a big factor in March success for a team like Gonzaga or a team this year, like Arizona, who's playing in a, a pretty down conference as much as Bill Walton wants to call it the conference of champions. They're not getting tested night to night right now. Do you think that is going to matter when we get to the NCAA tournament? I don't, I don't think it matters. It matters a little bit, but at the same time, um, sometimes you get beat up. You look at the Big Ten, you look at the SEC, you get look at the Big 12. Sometimes it, it can work in reverse in a sense. So some some teams are definitely uh, getting tested every night. Some aren't. 
but it gives you confidence. That's one thing as a player and one thing as a team, uh, the more confidence you have, especially going into conference tournament and March Madness, um, the more confidence you have individually and then collectively is huge at the right time. So it can work on both ends. Uh, I, I'm just a confidence guy. So the more you win, uh, the more everybody's, you know, confident, sure of themselves, uh, they know their role and uh, the, the better chance you have heading into the NCAA tournament. Well, I, I agree with everything you say, but you look at the Big Ten last year. I'm not sure it was a fact of them beating each other up. I thought it was more of a fact of stylistically, it was tough for the Big Ten to adjust to playing a lot of smaller teams because you have these big traditional five men. But looking at Arizona right now, and what would hurt them really? How many true road games are they really going to be playing this year? There's three locks for the NCAA tournament. Arizona, UCLA, USC. We thought Oregon was getting close. No, sir. They, they, turned everybody's, uh, they turned everybody's cheek tonight. It did not look good the way they played. They just got out-hustled, out-efforted by everything at Arizona State. And I'm not saying that's an easy place to play, but talent-wise, they were superior. So how many true road games, how many games have you needed to win a, in a hostile environment? And the NCAA tournament, while it's not a hostile environment, there's a pressure-packed. And it's a different environment than what you're going to be in at home. And whenever you're going to play away games against teams that aren't very good, is that preparing you for what you have to go to moving forward? Gonzaga gets that preparation because they're, they're going into a hornet's nest every night. So there's a reason they're in the second weekend of the tournament uh, every single year for the past forever, because they've been in difficult situations. They're able to block out the noise. Arizona hasn't had that test besides probably USC and probably UCLA. So you look moving forward, is that going to hurt them or is that going to help them? And in reverse order, you go to the SEC, you beat each other up. So it's, it, it, there's never a correct answer, I think. Mm -hmm. Obviously, you want to play in a tougher conference because that would better gear you for tough competition. But at the same time, you also got to come in with confidence. It's, it's, a, it's a tough thing to balance. But I think moving forward, I think a big reason for nobody west of the Mississippi doing well is because you just aren't playing it enough great competition consistently and there's the population is just so much more on the east coast so you have more schools to play yeah and to play devil's advocate with myself here as i'm i'm sitting here doubting arizona's chances in march uh to their credit in the non-conference they had a couple big road games they, they got the win at illinois which now looks like a fantastic win they went on the road to tennessee who's a team who is undefeated at home this season um, so I, I think hopefully they'll take something from that. I'm, I'm sure that experience will help them if they do find themselves down in an NCAA tournament game in a raucous environment. Uh, but I think there are fair concerns with this team. And I think that's why nationally there still seems to be a little bit of an eye roll when you mention Arizona in the same breath as teams like Auburn and Gonzaga. Uh, we're going to go to a break in just a minute, but there was another Pac-12 game tonight, Oregon losing to Arizona State, Oregon, a team who is absolutely on the bubble right now, uh, fielding the 68. Our very own Bracketology show has the Ducks in the first four out. That was prior to this game. We're going to play a game of in or out later in the show, but just quickly before we go to break, T.O., you go first. The Ducks, do they find themselves in or out? Uh, right now, you got to find them out. Two of their last three they've lost, and the other loss besides Arizona State was Cal, who has been better, but they're still not great. Uh, the winning against Washington State at home helps, but this is a team in Oregon that they have the talent to be better. They're going to have to win a lot of games. They still have opportunities. If you look at their upcoming schedule coming up at Arizona, home versus UCLA, home versus Southern Cal, 
those three games are going to be critical. Go two and one, you can look at yourself being in. Go one and two, you're still trending on that bubble. Ashton in or out? Yeah, I agree. I agree with T.O. in terms of them being out right now, but they have chances to work themselves back into it. Um, I, I just think they need to be consistent down the stretch, you know, headed on. So they, they definitely have a few more chances. Oregon is one of two teams in the country that I just cannot shake a man crush on. We have our wonderful sponsor, Bet Rivers. Uh, you know, I like to responsibly sprinkle a little of my hard-earned money here and there. And Oregon's bit me a, a few too many times for my liking this year. But I can't shake it. I like the talent on this roster. I can't believe they haven't figured it out yet. Uh, so I'm, I'm going to throw out an in. I know they're out right now. But I, I'm going to throw out an in that Dana Altman figures it out by the time this season ends. Uh, coming up after this break, we're going to tell you why there's a Big 12 team that is not Kansas that may just be lurking two games back in the standings that could steal a regular season conference title from the Jayhawks. All right, we're going to get some questions from the YouTube chat. If you are watching this live right now, please do subscribe to the Field of 68 YouTube channel. Make sure you are active in the chat. Get your questions in. We will answer them every single break. Producer Dagan, what do you got for us? Yes, I got one here. I got to go back and find it. Um, it was along the lines of, here it is, from Barrett Hartman. Arizona won at Illinois. Who has a better road win than that? Or is or isn't there one? <sighs> That's tough. Wow, that's uh, that's a good one. Miami can, at Miami at Duke. Can I sprinkle the ACC in there? Because we don't get minute. much love on this show anymore. Can I sprinkle <laughs> the ACC in here? Yeah, hey, I'll allow it for for just a moment. But no, the best <laughs> road win in in the country this year is Kentucky at Kansas. That was oh, a, for sure. a dog walking at maybe the toughest place to play. And also, can I say this? I'm a Big Ten guy. I'm not all the way sold on Illinois. I, I'm almost there, but I'm I'm not all the way there. This program has some mental toughness issues, in my opinion. And every time they get too seconds. high, something takes them down a ledge. We just saw it last night. Um, so they're, they're in a three-way tie for that conference right now. I don't buy them fully. We'll see. I, can, I, I, I concur, but everybody needs to know that you're also a Michigan State guy. Like well, that needs, that's a prerequisite <laughs> for that, that, that one right there. T.O., there's a lot of Michigan State fans that would be watching this. They'll be like, he just called seconds. him a Michigan State guy? That's a Michigan guy. You don't know the, the roots here. I'm a pretty confusing uh, <laughs> man, my friend. Five seconds. Here we go. Oh, man. <laughs> All right, we are back. This is the Field of 68 After Dark. I am Greg Waddell from Sleepers Media. With me is Ashton Gibbs, former Pitt star, and Terrence Oglesby, former Clemson star. We're going to move into the Big 12, arguably the best conference in college basketball, where as we speak at this very moment, the Kansas Jayhawks sit with a two-game lead in the loss column up on a couple of teams in the Big 12. Texas Tech being one of them, Baylor being the other, and it just so happens that those two teams met last night. Texas Tech, with a comeback victory, down seven points at half, they outscored the Baylor Bears 51-34 to in the second half without Kevin McCuller, 
Jeff Goodman, our very own, our boss, says that Lubbock, Texas is the toughest place to play in the country. And that has some merit because Texas Tech is now 16 and 0 at home. T.O., you just came off of a trip to the East Coast where you got to see the craziest atmosphere, I think, in Providence school history from everything that I saw on social media this week. Are you buying that Texas Tech is the toughest place to play in the country? It's got to be close, but I think I think the enthusiasm was different. I think Texas Tech was filled with hate, and I think Providence was filled with excitement, and I think that generated two different types of cheering, <laughs> if that makes sense. Like, Providence is so happy to be there and be that good, and everybody's fired up, and everybody was – I didn't see a single Providence fan, a single Providence student with one beer in their hands because they all had two of them in their hands. It was that kind of night. It was that much fun. But this Texas Tech team – so big, so physical in so many different positions. They can guard everywhere. They have just enough offense to really make it interesting. I wouldn't be shocked if you turned around and saw them at the top of the Big 12 by the time it's all said and done. But look, Baylor still sliding, still trying to figure it out. Texas Tech, nine and four, got four losses. Kansas still only has two. I still love this Kansas team, but in the tournament, this Texas Tech team is going to give a lot of people problems because their ability to guard. I agree, T.O. You talk about how hard and aggressive they play, especially defensively. They have the size. And like you said, offensively, they have just enough. Uh, Kevin O'Banner was huge against Baylor, uh, played really well, 23 and uh, 13 rebounds. I, th I thought overall, uh, just good decision-making offensively. And you talk about a, a atmosphere, Patrick Mahomes in the building, um, everybody just going crazy. It, it almost still gives you that Chris Beard feel in terms of how aggressive and uh, how active they are defensively, and they really get after, especially when they're at home. I almost, I almost forgot that Texas Tech was actually playing a basketball game because they kept flashing over to Patrick Mahomes. So there you go. There was actually a basketball game that was being played, a really good one. T.O., do you mind breaking down the interaction that went viral between Patrick Mahomes and uh, his, his wife there courtside? Nope. Did you see that? I that's that's marital issues. That's right. marital issues. I, I'm not trying to dive into anybody else's personal life. He's got his whole family dynamic. I think it's like the Brady Bunch over there. That's not me. Hey, that's I know you're me, I know you're an X's and O's guy. So I just figured I'd give you the opportunity. Uh, look, I I want to talk about something that stands out to me with this Texas team that I haven't heard a ton of people talk about, because when when we evaluate where this Texas Tech team is at, they're third defensively in the country on Ken Palm today. And. A lot of people like to say, man, like this is this is just the same old kind of like you just did, Ash. Like they, they remind me of the Chris Beard era Texas Tech teams. The, the principles of that program are still here with Mark Adams. And that's awesome. Like it, it's not like I expected that to go away year one. But what I didn't expect is for a group in the playing rotation that consists of four guys in Bryson Williams, Kevin O'Banner, Davion Warren and Adonis Arms who are all first-year players in Texas Tech's program in this era of transfers, for Mark Adams, a first-year coach, to be able to go out and get four guys like that and then get them to buy in defensively into the toughness that makes us feel like this is still the Chris Beard program, just running and firing on all cylinders, is absolutely insane to me. And it's honestly part of why, when we do talk about Coach of the Year, I would have to put Mark Adams a little bit ahead of a guy who, like you said, T.O., his cupboard was not bare going into the season. I think you could argue Mark Adams' cupboard kind of was bare going into this season. So 
Ashton, with all that said, do you buy Texas Tech as a national title contender? Because it does still feel like there's a little bit of a bar for them to jump additionally ahead of what we've seen this year with the solid defense alone. I don't buy him as a title contender um, for them to do that. I need, I, I would, I would think someone like a Terrence Shannon would need to step up. Um, this is a guy who was, you know, projected as a first round pick at one point. Um, obviously not the, he's not the best offensive guy, but I don't think they have that one guy that can get a bucket any, any time, any place. And when you talk about March Madness conference tournament, NCAA tournament, especially late shot clock, you need a guy that could get you a bucket at any point, any time. And I think that's one thing they're missing. Their defense will get them there. Um, they play really hard. They play aggressive, and that travels. But overall, offensively, I, th- I just think you need a playmaker that can get guys easy shots and that can get himself a shot as well. And you know what kills me about that? And, T, I'll come to you next because I'm cutting you off here. But what kills me, and I, I don't want to diss on anyone's transfer decisions because I'm, I'm pro-transfer. Go where you need to go. Make the decision that's right for you. But that guy could have been Kyler Edwards who's now averaging 16 points a game for a Houston team, which don't get me wrong. Houston is a title contender. If they get hot, I'm not saying they can't do it. They're a very good team, but man, if you kept Kyler Edwards on this team with everything else they got, I think this team would be a top five team in the country right now. Well, I want to disagree with a little bit of what uh, Ashton said, because Terrence Shannon, I feel like he can be that guy. Maybe not creating for somebody else, but he's somebody that at the end of the shot clock might be able to get something to for you. But here's the thing, too. Over the past few weeks, treading back into the beginning of January, he hasn't been overly aggressive. One, th- one thing that is promising in my mind is the fact that he got up 14 shots today. My man got up 14 rocks. I haven't seen that in a while. He's somebody that can create shots for himself. It's a team that relies a lot on ball movement. O'Banner needs the ball to move in order for him to score. And he can score at a high level. He's shown that he could do that not only at Texas Tech, but at Oral Roberts as well. But Terrence Shannon Jr. is a guy that can create for himself. And I always think in the NCAA tournament, you're so well scouted. Everybody knows exactly what you're going to run. It comes down to individual talent. That's the reason I say next level talent, high level talent matters in the NCAA tournament, especially when you get to the second weekend. That's when coaching really picks up. And that's when it doesn't pick up, but you get what I'm saying. Like the scouting of what you're going to do is much more noticeable. You need guys that can make plays. Terrence Shannon's a guy that I think can make plays for this Texas Tech team. Here's the thing. Who is it in the country that doesn't have holes on their team? There's there's yeah. something with every team. There's probably 10 teams that can legitimately win six games in a row. I think Texas Tech is one of those, one of those teams because of how they guard. And if Terrence Shannon really comes along, continues to be aggressive and ups his efficiency a little bit, this is a team you can watch out for. And, it, hey, look, it's not Chris Beard's Texas Tech team. It's not. It's wow. Mark Adams' Texas Tech team. Mark Adams was on staff the whole time. Chris Beard was there. Wow. And only one program still going. And they continue to get the same kind of guy that they had when Beard was there. I wonder whose fault that was. And and the big knock on Mark Adams was, is he going to be able to recruit? Transfer portal changes that, boys. It changes that. Because now you're not recruiting high school seniors that are all enamored with the glitz and the glamour. You're recruiting transfers that know what it takes to be good college players. And if you get the right guys, you only got to recruit them for two weeks. Mark Adams has got the right guys in place at Texas Tech. Theo, that was an Eminem at the Super Bowl halftime show level rhyme (laughs) with 
enamored with the glitz and the glamour. I just have to give you kudos for that. That was that was high level stuff, my friend. You can call uh, me a beard, a beardless Eminem. A beardless there M&M. we go. There we go. Uh, all right. So w- where we sit today, Kansas is 10 and two in the conference. On our friends at Bet Rivers, they are minus 455, massive favorites to win the Big 12. Texas Tech and Baylor are both nine and four. Texas Tech is plus 450 to win the conference. Baylor is plus 750. And then if you want to go all the way down and get crazy here, Texas is eight and five at 28 to one odds. Can any team catch Kansas? Because I think we're too late in the season at this point for that to be much of a realistic chance. Kansas still has to go at Baylor. And they have one game at home to Texas. I think they'd have to lose both of those to open the door for a team like Texas Tech. Never say never, but that seems tough. T.O., what do you think? Uh, no, Kansas is going <laughs> to win this league. I don't know. What did you say the odds were for Kansas? Uh, minus 455. Minus 455. So, you like, I, I don't know what that means, but it sounds like you won't make it. $45.50 $45. to win $10. That's what you'd have to bet. Okay, so that doesn't make any sense to me <laughs> from a monetary perspective. <laughs> and I know that we're I know that we're sponsored by Bet Rivers, but look, they they go to, they go to West Virginia. You can go ahead and count that one. Kansas State's been surprising, but they're going to win that one at home. They have Baylor away. That could be a loss. Very well could be because Baylor's starting to get healthy. TCU and then TCU. I like Kansas against TCU. I don't care if they're playing home way or on Mars. Kansas is going to win that game. And then Texas at home in the last game on Senior Night. And uh, what's my man's name that comes off the bench, the post player that's been there since 1982? What's his name? <laughs> Help me out. Help me out. He's been uh, there forever. That's a tough description. Uh, that's a tough description. Well, no, the, the white guy comes off the bench, the center. Oh, um, <sighs> I got you. His name is Mitch Lightfoot. Mitch Lightfoot. Lightfoot. Super- oh, I was Lightfoot. thinking I was thinking Texas. Lightfoot. I'm looking like white guy off the bench. Who's that? White guy off the bench. A super <laughs> duper senior. He's going to be there for his eighth year. His <laughs> wife and kids are going to be there for his senior day. Like they are not going to lose that game to Texas. You might as well go ahead and book it, boys. Kansas is going to finish out when the Big 12. Now, the Big 12 tournament could be different because on a one off, I feel like there's three or four teams that could beat them on a one-off. So let's, let's flip this. Cause I think the three of us are probably in agreement there not to cut you off Ashton, but I think the more interesting question here is of those three teams, Kansas, Texas tech, Baylor, who do you trust more in March? And I think I, I could see all three of them getting to a final four. I don't know that I feel good about any of those three winning six. And the only thing that would make me feel okay about them, honestly, is your point to every team has holes. But I think these teams each have individually some pretty glaring holes. Uh, Ashton, who would you back if you had to pick one for March success? If I had to pick one, it's probably be Kansas. Um, you, you talk about Obaji still playing well, Christian Braun. But uh, I, I just think Bill Self, uh, I think that's what it comes down to, just winning pedigree. I'm just I'm so into that and how coaching and uh, culture just matters heading into the NCAA tournament. So um, they have everything they need. Uh, David McCormick, uh, but Christian Braun is the guy for me that, that gives them energy. Molder. Wait, wait, wait. I'm sorry to interrupt, but David McCormick, is, is he what I, they need at center? There's been a lot of questions around that, man. He, he, he's definitely been up and down, but I think um, they have enough, even with him playing so-so uh, without him. Um, I, with him playing so-so, I still think they have enough. Even Remy Martin, I think at the point guard position, he obviously isn't scoring as much um, as he was at Arizona State, but he's still a proven leader, veteran that can uh, do it all. I think what you learn, too, about Remy Martin is you can't 
take guys somewhere else and try to change who they are. Like he is yep. what he is. He's 23, 24 years old, whatever he is. I think that doesn't help. Uh, I'm going to go Texas Tech and my people from Lubbock. Oh. Don't let these big don't don't let these big city folk tell you what you can't do. I think Texas <laughs> Tech has a legit shot. And I tell you, besides the Bill Self thing, obviously Kansas is Kansas, guys. Kansas is Kansas. Baylor is Baylor, defending national champions. They are still trying to figure out who they are. Texas Tech knows exactly who they are going into postseason play. That's one of the big things for me. They have an identity. Offensively, they have an identity. They're going to share the basketball. And with an added Terrence Shannon, he's just adding. He's just icing on the cake that the cake was already pretty tasty. (laughs) But now he's icing on that cake if he can get to playing like he did last season. I'm going to make it a a three-for-three special here. I'm going to take Baylor. I think that the the more glaring holes here are with Kansas and Texas Tech of these three. I think I, I don't trust the point guard situation. I don't trust the center spot for Kansas. If they do win in March, it's going to be in spite of those holes to me. Texas Tech, I love them. Don't get me wrong. I, I will probably pick this team to a sweet 16 or more, but they've only got one guy who makes above 33% from three on this roster. And I, I do not like backing teams that don't have multiple shooters in the NCAA tournament. Uh, Baylor, to me, the only question is their health. And look, they lost Chama Chachua to that a, a devastating injury at this point. I don't know what they're going to look like without him. Uh, but if they have everybody else, I love what they have both offensively and defensively. So I'll, I'll put my cards behind the Baylor Bears. Uh, and I think with that, it's probably time to let our friends in Sirius have a little bit of a break. Coming up, though, we are going to tell you why my Michigan Wolverines are officially back and not only are they back to don't make that face they're not looking for just a tournament appearance my friend they might be looking for maybe a second weekend appearance that's coming You've up next lost your on the field of 68 <laughs> after dark <laughs> dagan what oh, do we yeah. got is the chat popping right now talk to me yes it is we have a jeff goodman question i thought he'd be in bed by now but apparently he's up watching after dark that what, dude's an owl. <laughs> what percentage of Texas Tech fans do you think will be at the game in Austin this Saturday? How far is uh, Lubbock from Austin? See, so you you there's, got there's you got no a Midwest guy in two years. Yeah, I say you know you you think we know. <laughs> <laughs> Lubbock is. Uh, I, I'll, go, I, I'll tell you what. I'll go. I'll go seventy thirty. Wow. One minute. I mean, 70, Texas. 70 Texas, Texas Tech? Pe- like Texas people are kind of like, they're kind of there. Okay. I <laughs> Look, I, I, I'm sensing a love affair between T.O. and Texas Tech right now. Yeah, big time. That's fair. Time. <laughs> Red Raider <laughs> me up, baby. Red Raider me up. This will be a big one. That's the next sure, trip man. for T.O. Yeah, T.O. to Lubbock. Uh, yeah, the travel budget. Five hours from Austin to Lubbock. Five hours? Five hours. That's nothing. 30 seconds. That's a bit of a trip. That's I'm a soft. Ride. That's a horseback ride for <laughs> Texas Tech fans. That's a horseback ride. They'll still travel. They'll, they'll still travel to you. They'll travel. <laughs> they'll travel. But they'll travel by caravan, horse, <laughs> buffalo. Okay, okay TL. Let me put you on a spot though. As much as you're loving Texas Tech right now, Chris Beard's winning that game. That's that's a revenge game. Ten right? seconds. For sure. I don't think he has an ability to do so. Make I don't think quick. his team's good enough. Wow. <laughs> this Trey Five Mitchell seconds. play. <laughs> there you go.
We are back. It's the Field of 68 After Dark, presented by our friends at Bat Rivers and live on Sirius XM Channel 84. My name is Greg Waddell from Sleepers Media, and with me, Ashton Gibbs from Pitt and Terrence Oglesby, Coach T.O., as he goes by now, from Clemson. Boys, the biggest game of the night, I think all three of us can agree, was the Michigan Wolverines getting a quad one win on the road against the Iowa Hawkeyes, who are still without a quad one win. I wasn't going to mention that, but, you know, being the the genuine reporter that I am these days, I feel obligated to. Uh, Michigan with an 84 to 79 victory. The big story for them, Musa Diabate with 28 points and eight rebounds. The freshman is starting to play like the highly ranked recruit that Michigan fans had hoped that he would be. Coming into this game, the Fielding the 68 Bracketology show that we do on this very network had Michigan as the first one out, not even in the first four. They were the first team out of the NCAA tournament. But as we sit here today with six games left in the season for the Wolverines, they've won three of the last four. They're eight and six in the Big Ten, seventh overall right now, up to 14 and 10 overall. Ashton, I'll go to you first. Are you buying the turnaround for this Michigan team? I'm I'm buying it. The only reason I say that is Diabate, Musa Diabate is the key. Um, him playing well, I think he'll, you know, get on a run. Um, obviously a freshman, he's taking those freshman lumps, has been up and down, but he's the key to their team. He takes the pressure off Hunter Dickinson. Uh, he takes the pressure off Eli Brooks. And anytime we saw it today, uh, anytime Iowa, you know, doubled Hunter um, in the post, you know, they they made shots. Michigan made shots. Anytime they make shots from the perimeter and Diabate can finish uh, big time motor. Um, I think he's, he's definitely a key. He, at one point he was, you know, facing up and hitting mid range jump shots. This guy, he can, he could be a first round pick. Um, not this year, but eventually I think he's just that talented, but um, he's the key to their team. In my opinion, he's definitely the key. He takes pressure off Dickinson and um, he, as good as he plays, the the better they'll be. Well, here here's here's what happened in my in my opinion. Musa Diabate's doing all the little things now. He's realized like I'm not going to be the key cog. I'm going to try to get to that dunker spot and not do too much. And then when I get the chance to post up, I'm going to slow down a little bit. Whenever at the beginning of the season he was in such a rush, he didn't really know where to go, and he wasn't getting to what is what he was good at. And what is he good at? backing guys down, using his length, and getting over the top. At the beginning of the season, it seemed like he was trying to do everything else, like he was still in high school, and if he missed it, he could just go get it. You can't do that at the college level, especially in the Big Ten, and especially not when you go on the road against power conference team. That's going to make it hard. But here's the thing, too. Uh, Hunter Dickinson's passing out of double teams really well. This was the first game where – not really the first game. He's kind of started to figure it out a little bit, but he's starting to put him on a dime. And uh, to kind of counter your point, I didn't think they shot the ball particularly well from the three. But, Ashton, what I did think they did was they created closeout situations to where their athletes could get in the paint. And then it kind of created some chain reactions. And because they're so big with Diabate and Dickinson in the lineup, they're able to enforce their will that way. Now – my question is, is Iowa the North Carolina of the Big Ten? What are they, 0-8 yes. against the quad one? That's what scares yes. me more than anything. Do they have top-end talent? You bet your butt they do. But at the same time, like, you got to beat somebody at some point, guys. 
Yeah, they they are, first of all. Uh, if we're going to make this an in or out game and before we move on from this game, if we're going to ask, is, is Michigan in or out? We're also going to have to do that for Iowa at this point, as crazy as that sounds, because they don't have a quad one win. I'm not no. certain that they're going to get one down the stretch of this season either. Um, now, Keegan Murray did deal with some cramps down the stretch of this game. It, uh, he, he left the game in the middle of a Michigan run. It ballooned to like a 10-point game. Uh, so who knows what that game looks like if he was fully healthy for the entirety of it. Um, the, the thing for me with Michigan is I buy them as the level they're playing at right now, as if they're a fringe top 25 team, I think, had they not laid so many eggs in the non-conference right now, this, this team would be a no brainer tournament team. They wouldn't be a top four seed or anything like that, but they've been playing good basketball. But also when we talk about the way they're generating good looks and Dickinson passing out of the post and, and guys beating closeouts, that's happened during a stretch against three of the most poor defensive teams in the Big Ten. And not saying they're not good teams, but Purdue, Ohio State, and Iowa leave a lot to be desired on the defensive end of the floor. So I, I want to see this happen offensively for them against some teams that are a little bit tougher on that end. They're certainly going to have chances, but we have to talk about what Hunter Dickinson is doing, though, because as as much as the Big Ten is a, a post-heavy conference and there's individual stars, and I think on this very show, we've talked a ton about Johnny Davis, deservedly so. We've talked about EJ Liddell, deservedly so. We've talked about Kofi Coburn, deservedly so. Here's some numbers on Hunter Dickinson. In conference play, he's averaging 21 points, eight rebounds, three assists, shooting 39% from three on three attempts per game. If you compare Dickinson to Luca Garza, the national player of the year from last season, Dickinson has a better offensive rating on a usage rate that is 1% lower than what Luca Garza did last year. And no one's really talking about that because of Michigan's lack of team success. He's been ridiculous in conference play. And honestly, if they can just get in the tournament, I kind of think Hunter's the type of guy who can have two straight games himself and just get a couple made shots from Eli Brooks, a couple made shots from Devontae Jones, that might be enough for them to start pressing their way toward a Sweet 16. T.O., do you buy that as far as potential March success for Michigan? I just don't think there's there's enough around. I mean, you got to shoot it. They went for a th- for a 20 tonight from three, but what Michigan is doing that's different is they're sending guys at the basket when people come to double-team him because you have to double-team him. That is a large human. Like there's not many people that can match up with him on on, one-on-one. So you have to send a second guy and what Michigan's doing because they haven't been able to shoot it is they're sending a cutter to the basket and that's where he's getting his assist. I mean, the guy ended up with what, 14, nine and seven today and three and three, what, two blocks. Like the guy is a good player. Now, when you come and talk to me about first team, all big 10, all that, they're eight and six in conference. It's going to be hard for me to believe that, especially with as many good players that are in that league, but Regardless, well, let me let, let me ask weekend, you this second weekend somebody's somebody's going to make first team all conference between Hunter between Keegan Murray between Trace Jackson Davis all three of those teams are going to end up on the bubble Keegan Murray yeah well he's what is he leading the one of the top 10 score or he was top 10 scores in the country or something like that like you have to put him in and without Keegan Murray what is Iowa of course same could be said for Michigan but I he's guys, he's a terrific player. I, I just don't think there's enough firepower around the perimeter for Michigan to make a second weekend run. I'll give you my I negative. Agree. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Ashton. <laughs> go ahead, Ashton. No, I, I agree for sure. Um, I, I just don't think it's enough, especially from the perimeter around them. Obviously, Diabate playing 
playing much better um, is, is going to take some pressure off of him. Um, I, I think the game is slowing down for, for Hunter, if anything, especially when double teams come. Um, he's almost inviting double team so he can make a pass and pickpocket where he wants to throw the ball um, on offense. So um, this is only going to help him, you know, even when he becomes a pro, it's, it's just going to be so much, so much easier to play and um, play, play with the ball, play without it. Uh, I think he's, he's doing a really good job. Yeah. When we talk about lack of help around him, the biggest reason for that to me is their bench in the last four games. Juwan has really trimmed this rotation. Every starter has played 28 minutes or more. All five starters in four straight games, four of five every single game in that stretch have played 30 minutes or more. They're getting nothing from their bench, and it's just going to be really tough to sustain in March when you get to that point. All right, one-word answer for both Michigan and for Iowa uh, from both of you, and then we're going to talk about a couple games from last night. In or out, Michigan and Iowa. Ashton, give me one-word answer for both. Uh, In. Oh, no, 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 no. For Michigan and Iowa out. T.O.? Michigan out. Oh no! Don't do it to me, <laughs> Satan. Uh, Iowa in. Oh, that was oh, that felt that felt like a knife in the abdomen from UTL. I'm I'm going Michigan in. I'm going Iowa in. I think they're both going to end up in. Uh, Iowa's going to end up winning some stupid game at home before the season ends. We'll see what it is. Uh, all right, a couple games that wrapped last night. One other in the Big Ten. Illinois Rutgers. Rutgers continues to be nonsensical at home at the rack this season. Four straight wins against ranked opponents for Rutgers. That is the first time in NCAA history that an unranked team has won four straight games against ranked opponents. Our own fielding the 68 has Rutgers in the first four out as of today. Let's play in or out again. T.O., is Rutgers in or are they out? You got to put Rutgers in, baby. I mean, look at the guys they've beat. Michigan State. Uh, Ohio State, Wisconsin, Illinois, I mean, at Wisconsin, nonetheless. Nobody goes to Wisconsin and wins. Yep. Nobody. And, guys, that is a tough-minded group. I love Steve Feichel. That might, he, he preaches toughness. And I was fortunate enough. I had the pleasure of going to Piscataway. I had the absolute pleasure of getting to Piscataway and going to the rack and listening to this student <laughs> section and their fans. They are nuts about basketball at the rack. Give me some reaction any day of the week. They beat my Clemson Tigers. They beat them pretty good. But that home court advantage is so unique and so different. It brings you back a few years, and those guys play so hard. Paul Mulcahy, probably butchering that, and Jeff Goodman's going to say something to me later. But that guy has turned the corner for that team. You knew about Ron Harper. You knew about some of these other guys. You knew about Geo Baker. Mulcahy has been the guy that they put the ball in his hands. And because his size, he can make all those reads over top the defense that's guarding him. That is a good, tough-minded defensive team, and they have just enough offense to make it work and some go-to scoring as well. He leads the league in assists. It's crazy seeing yeah. him blossom. Ashton, in or out for Rutgers? I have them in, man. You, it's Jersey basketball's back. I think they're on the up and up, man. Cliff, Cliff Amore, um, he, he's been a monster. His inside presence, I think has been, has been huge. Uh, and you know, like T.O. said, Paul McKay, he has been really good. Not only he's used, he's typically a playmaker. He's been scoring the ball a lot better and, uh, giving them, you know, uh, a one, two punch with him and Ron Harper and even Caleb McConnell. He can, uh, he can play, he can play, make, uh, he defends, but I think that's what they really, really do is they defend. They defend, they keep guys in front, they contest shots, and Steve Pico has his, has his guys playing well. And Cliff Amorier is really good, 
but they needed somebody behind him. And D Reber's come in and giving him good minutes. Six ten, two twenty five. He's been good for them, and he doesn't play a ton. Only plays fifteen percent of the minutes, but he comes in, gives them a lot of energy, gives them a boost, an extra hustle guy. Rutgers is tough, man. They are a tough team, and Ron Harper, who, let's be honest, guys, he doesn't look the part. Like he, he just doesn't. <laughs> but like he, he looks a little bit like he looks really strong with not, with not a whole lot of muscle definition. If that makes any sense whatsoever, like big, broad I shoulders, think that's a- wide hips, but he looks like, dude, if you needed help moving a refrigerator, Ron Harper jr. Can help <laughs> your man out. So like that, he's that kind of guy and he's shooting 41% from three. Yeah. That guy has been great. And I, I I'm a fan, I'm a fan of this team. They're tough as nails. Yeah. Pykele's a heck of a coach and those dudes guard. Yeah. I, and, I and have imagine- them the record. As well. And I imagine this team with Miles Johnson. They they still, you know, Montez Math and Jacob Young you know, Miles, and Jacob and Young. Jacob, who's and that Jacob Young? They they've had a couple transfers and they still are getting it done right now. Yeah, I, I'm in for the record as well. I uh, I'm a Big Ten guy. This team, weirdly, as far as puzzle pieces fitting together, reminds me of the Michigan State team that went to a Final Four. Now, there's no Cassius Winston on this team. Don't get me wrong, but. This Michigan State team had Matt McQuaid and Kenny Goins, two guys who you would just look at and be like, how, how are they making the impact they are on the floor? That's how I feel when I watch Paul Mulcahy and Ron Harper Jr. just tear teams up right now. Those four as a puzzle fit better together than any core four, I think, in the conference. So you can look at Purdue and be like, damn, their top four is talented. You can't play Travion and Edie together. You don't know if Jay Ivey needs the ball or if Travion Williams does. Rutgers knows who's supposed to have the ball at the right times. Rutgers knows where they're supposed to be, and they're playing great basketball. Uh, so I have them in as well. We have one more in or out to get to. We're going to have to be quick with this one, but we're moving to the ACC. It's Ashton Gibbs' own. Pitt Panthers off of a 76 to 67 victory against North Carolina in which they were up 17 points at the half. Ashton, I wish that I could ask you if Pitt was in or out, but I got to ask is North, <laughs> is North Carolina in or out? I have them out. I have them out. Um, that, that was a big loss to Pitt. Um, and it's crazy because I think they have the talent. Um, they, they have the Armando Baycott. They have the talent. Um, Caleb Love, these guys, R.J. Davis, like these guys are talented. Uh, one of the top talents in the in the ACC. But overall, the losses they have, this was a huge loss. And I, I think, I actually think Pitt is better than people think, especially with Ithiel Horton back. Um, obviously, I'm a little no, biased. No, 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 they're not. <laughs> no, no, Ashton, a, no they're of not. course, I'm a, of course, I'm a little biased. But <laughs> overall, if, if you're UNC, obviously you can't. You can't lose this, so I have them. I have them out. Well, here here's the difference between Iowa and North Carolina. How many more quad one opportunities are you going to get? Like yeah, that's yeah. the biggest difference. Like Iowa's going to have a shot to win a game or two that'll put them and differentiate them. So that's the reason I did say Iowa in. North Carolina doesn't have those same opportunities. And look. What have we said all year about North Carolina? I've called him the Scott Farkas from the Christmas story. You know, Scott Farkas who goes in, he gets his, he, he fights all the kids that don't <laughs> fight back. He fights once and then he goes like, and he's gone for the rest of the movie after he gets his butt kicked. Mm-hmm. Like, what does Pitt do? They're going to fight you. Like John H- Hughley's a dude, like, like big, strong, physical. He's going to bring the fight to you. That's what they did against North Carolina. North Carolina just ran into a tougher team. I'm going out with North Carolina because there's just not enough opportunity. They have to make a serious run in the tournament and win every game besides that Duke one at the end to make it make that splash happen. 
yeah, the, the bottom line is they're going to have to win against Coach K in his final game at Cameron Indoor Stadium. Good luck with that. And make, and if, make a run in the tournament. And yeah, make a run in the tournament. If that's what you need, good luck. Uh, we may be a week or two away from discussing if UNC is in or out of the NIT and not the NCAA tournament. That might be a little spicy, but, man, this team is trending the wrong direction right now. Uh, so we're in consensus there on the out. Coming up, we have saved the best segment for last, what all the people are waiting for. Terrence Oglesby is going to tell us about his trip out east to watch Villanova play Providence at the dunk. That's coming up next on the Field of 68 After Dark. Okay. Dagan, what do we got? All right, Rob, Rob is bothering me. to even texting me this one. I don't know why all the guys, it's their night off. They should be in bed. I don't know why they're not watching the show, but, <laughs> but here we are. Uh, Rob wants to know, T.O., how are you going to be packing – or have you figured out how you're going to pack your hot dog suit for New Orleans yet? Oh yeah, I I gotta I gotta refine my Halloween costume. Do you, you guys know about this? No, what's the story here? No. Okay, so I thought that Maryland was going to be good. Boy, was I wrong. And so did John Fanta. We're going to have to share a hot dog suit down in New Orleans, and I might throw some craps in a full hot dog suit. <laughs> wow, on Bourbon Street. So I don't you know. know you- what the deal is I have to do it on the show or I have to wear it on the plane down there? I'll do you got to know better than to make bets with anyone at the field of 68 on a big 10 team without consulting myself and Carter Elliott first. Okay. We were all over Maryland stinking. Give us credit. Yeah. We don't get a lot right, but we got that one, right? That's a yeah. I thought, I thought Fats Russell would be a difference maker and I thought Kudos Wahab would be good. And then their coach, I, I feel like I, there's a loophole in there that their coach just straight up did 30 seconds so fast. Like there should be some kind of bet like reconciliation here. You could I, I'll propose this. I don't know if I can speak for Rob Doster here, but you can. Uh, you can. I think it's I think it's fair to question if there's a loophole there. So I'm willing to offer you the opportunity 15. to cut the hot dog suit in half and just wear half a hot dog suit around <laughs> Ten seconds the weekend. I'm with that. I think that's probably worse than a full suit, but five seconds. Here we go. It's the Field of 68 after dark. We are back and we have stories, listeners. You will be excited for this one. Again, we are on Sirius XM Channel 84 and we are presented by the good folks at Bet Rivers. Terrence Oglesby was on site for Villanova Providence out east this week. He was having dinner with fans. He was getting to the arena early. He was breaking down the quality of the fans' signs. And he was there to witness the welcoming from Providence fans to certain members of the Field of 68 and the hatred that has supposedly been spewed to other members of the Field of 68. So first of all, T.O., was it a warm welcome for you there? Uh, the, the 10 or so people that knew who I was, it was a warm welcome. <laughs> so that, that, that's the big thing. So the 10 or so people at Providence knew who I was. Fanta is the legend in that entire state. Fanta can't go anywhere. Like you go, you take him to a restaurant. Fanta can't get through the lobby. Like it's unbelievable. Now it it was it wasn't warm because I think it was twelve degrees. But man, what an experience! The food lived up to the hype, guys. Lived up to the hype. I sent out a little tweet or whatever saying, "Hey, where should I go eat?" I went to Andino's on night one, and I had the lobster ravioli with some jumbo shrimp, and I slept really good that night because there was nothing left on that plate 
It was unbelievable. The only mistake I made is I walked from my hotel all the way up there to Federal Hill, and I couldn't speak for the first couple of minutes because my cheeks were frozen solid. Uh, after that night too, we, uh, obviously we go to Massimo. That was delicious. I had the, uh, short rib Naki. It was delicious. We had, we had a couple of students come with us. Jeff was uh, very, uh, he, he, he showed his, uh, he showed his nice side, which you don't see too often, but, uh, it was, it was good. I thought the funniest thing that could have happened was Jeff just to go full Hill and leave those two students with the check. <laughs> I thought like if he wanted to go full Hill, leave him with the check, but no, it was a great situation. Great food, great, like super nice people. And, um, when we first walked in there, the, the, uh, we hate Goodman chance started pretty soon. Like as soon as he hit, he turned the corner, we hate Goodman went nuts. And then this guy with a pink hat comes up and starts screaming in Jeff's face, like right here, like right here. And Jeff turns around to me, he goes, I might have to knock this guy out. I was like, Jeff, we're an hour and a half away from game time. Like you might want to save the assault charges for a later date. And then, uh, no, it turned out to be a great, it, like we were there at three 30 for shoot around, but they did shoot around so, somewhere else. But turns out about 200 students snuck in and then they just said, oh, to hell with it. We're not going to kick them out. We're just going to let everybody in. So students started piling in about five o'clock and then they started serving alcohol. And like I said, I didn't see one Providence student with one beer in their hand because everybody had two and they were the tall boys and it was getting interesting. And the good thing about it was whenever we were sitting on the baseline, the bald head helps out because I'd have beer go right on my head and it slicked off me like a mallard duck. You didn't have to worry about nothing. You see, you've ever seen a mallard duck go swimming, Greg? Do you know what I'm talking about there? You're a Midwest. Yo, I, I most certainly have not seen that. Okay. So you need to, you need to do some research. That water just falls right off that mallard duck and the Miller light did with my head. So it worked out pretty well. Uh, no passionate fan base. What a performance by both teams. Really? I mean, it was back and forth all day. And it was such beautiful basketball to watch. And then I had to go watch UConn and Seton Hall, which was not beautiful basketball to watch. That was a rock fight. Neither team could score it. Uh, <laughs> neither team could score the basketball. And uh, the pizza was fine. <laughs> so we're, we, we may have to get into the games themselves here in the afters because we, we have a two-minute hard out with our good folks at Sirius. The pizza was fine. Uh, the pizza was good. Like, it was, it was a seven and a half, eight. It was a seven and a half day. Now it could have been better because we got it cold because we had to go to the game. Like if it was warm pizza, it could have been better, but UConn probably fired that up a little bit too much. Yeah. But, we we but, may, we'll, we'll get into the details there. I have one moment I have to ask you about before we get off, uh, off. Sure. Here. So I guess you could probably say it was a love story between you and Providence fans. As for the game yeah. itself, Gillespie has had his fair share of troubles in the big moment, but his ability to shake it off and win the game for Villanova. He basically told me and my co-host Carter Elliott, look what you made me do for Providence. There's no more luck here. I think we'd have to go back to December really no, to see the last time this Providence team was really doubted. But T.O., what I want to talk about with you, something you probably didn't see coming in your wildest dreams, the Taylor Swift moment. Do you see what I'm going for here yet? Unbelievable, man. Who knew that? The, who knew that Providence was a bunch of Swifties? 
Like I had no <laughs> idea what was going on. I look at Jeff. I was like, are we kidding me? Like UConn's playing jock jams from 92. And yet here's Providence getting like, I think the word is crunk. Like that, if you want to flash back to 2008, they were getting crunk off a of Taylor Swift song. It was awesome. It was so loud and so ruckus in that arena. Whenever they sang the national anthem, you couldn't hear the singer because everybody in the building was singing. It was one of the most fun electric atmospheres I've ever been in. And I would love to go back sometime, hopefully when it's about 10 degrees warmer. Ashton, you're quickly, we got 30 seconds. You're an opposing player with the ball and in a timeout under four, and you hear the fans going nuts to Taylor Swift. Are you rattled by that? You got to be. Not, not even close. <laughs> All right, well, this is the Field it. of 68 <laughs> After Dark. I'm Greg Waddell with Terrence Oglesby, Ashton Gibbs. Thank you for listening. Andrew Clear. T.O., I don't know that you realized that I just worked five Taylor Swift song titles into a paragraph. Teeing did you, you up for that question? Oh, I did, my friend. Fantastic. Whoa. Fantastic work by you. I'm <laughs> not a Swifty. Greg said pregame you were going to have no idea that he did that. And he was he was 100 percent correct. Hey, I had you I, after you threw the Mallard reference at me. I figured I had to get you back. So here we are. But boys, we, we didn't even talk about the games themselves. I feel obligated to do that a little bit in the afters here. This is the field of 68 after dark afters. I'm Greg Waddell, Ashton Gibbs, Terrence Oglesby. Uh, we will be around for about 15 more minutes here. Get your questions in, in the chat. I promise you, we will get to them and then we will end with our three cheers, but man, that Villanova Providence game deserves to actually be talked about from you being there. I mean, look, I've hated on Colin Gillespie in a lot of ways. Stop. I am. I am biting my tongue to Stop (laughs) it. Stop it. Here, here was my, here was my only qualm with Colin Gillespie is that I didn't know that he could get anywhere to start a chain reaction for Villanova. And what I mean by that is, can he get in the paint by himself? He can't, still can't. But what he never does is he never really makes a mistake. And if he does make a mistake, he doesn't make two of them because he takes such good care of the ball. After the game, he just I just took what the defense gave me, and that's exactly what he did. If, if he couldn't get somewhere with his right hand, he just turned around and backed in Jared Bynum. And Bynum's a really good player. I thought he played really, really well. But that guy, Gillespie, he's built like a – we're in afters now, right? So he's built like a brick shit house. This dude is a <laughs> beast for a point guard. And he turns around and he just backs guys in. Man, he had an and one against Justin Minaya. I'm sitting here looking like that's the biggest defensive player of the year. Yeah, while and, I while I sit here and Google what a, a brick shit house is, yeah. I, I, have to, I have to ask you something real quick. What's more important than peace of mind? Nothing, right? That's what NordVPN is here for, to give you peace of mind while you are online Googling what a brick shit house is. And with all the threats that you face today on the internet, it's more important than ever to be sure that you have the best VPN you can get. Ashton, you know a thing or two about browsing the internet, I assume, right? Sure. Well, NordVPN is the world's best VPN service, offering the fastest (laughs) connectivity, most servers, and next-gen encryption to make sure that everything you do online stays secure. Plus, you can use NordVPN on all of your computers and devices, no matter the operating system with NordVPN's unlimited bandwidth. You never have to worry about a slow connection either. And plans start at under $4 per month. So grab your exclusive NordVPN deal by going to nordvpn.com slash believe or use the code believe that's B-L-E-A-V to get up to 70% off your NordVPN plus 
one additional month for free. It's also risk-free with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. Tio, I'm so sorry I interrupted you on your story, my friend, but I couldn't leave the good folks at NordVPN out. That was such a good job. I forgot what I was talking about anyway, so it's not really a big, huge deal. <laughs> All right, so we, as we sit in the Big East, boys, we've got Providence still, I believe, a game up in the last co- column to win that conference. Um, do we think they hold off Villanova down the stretch run of the season? Ashton, what do you think? I, st- I have Villanova still taking it. Um, I-, I still have Villanova. Man, you talk about Colin Gillespie, though. T.O. kind of harped on it a little bit. He played like an all-Big East guard, but I love that he can't get past you. First step isn't fast, but he can post you up, and that's what I like. You know, he can he makes plays out of the post, and Jay Wright almost embraces it, almost like a Jalen Brunson. So um, I-, I still just think they have an idea. jump stop with the best of them and uh, limited turnovers. And uh, anytime they're shooting the ball well, it's hard to beat. They're hard to beat. Yeah, the fighting jump stops is my affectionate nickname for for Villanova right now. (laughs) Hey, I could hear the high school coach coming out of you right there, Coach Gibbs. Look, it's (laughs) jump stops. Look, and here's the deal. Here's the deal, too. Here's the biggest difference between those two teams and the two teams I watched the next day with Seton Hall and UConn. Providence and Villanova are really good passing teams. Mm-hmm. Yep. And we talked a little bit about it at the beginning of the show, like having a good pass, having a good passer to a wide open three-point shooter. Like me and Ashley, we're good shooters, but we were much better shooters when that ball was put in your pocket. And here's the thing too, like I would say it's a five to 7% difference or percentage point difference between good passes and bad passes. I would venture to guess it's more than that. And it, and. Villanova passes the ball so well. Even Eric Dixon, who's that guy's so strong. Like he's unbelievably strong. He still passes the ball really well. So that's kind of how that moves forward. Like you make good passes, you're going to be able to shoot good shots. Justin Moore, it was his show in the first half. It was Colin Gillespie in the second half. Those guys make the game easy for each other. And that's why Villanova is so stinking good. All right, so let's get to the second game that you traveled for. You make your way to UConn. That has to have felt a little bit like being served a side salad after eating the steak dinner. Yeah. Am I off on that? No, you're 100% right. It was like, well, we, I had the filet mignon uh, the day before, and then I go to UConn, and I had a pretty good hamburger, but it wasn't the filet. <laughs> like, it was still pretty good, and it was what the Big East is, and that's a gritty, tough game. Like, they were finding out a lot of things – like. The, the coaches were running good offense. Those guys couldn't make shots. And that's what it came down to for both teams. Here's the difference. Seton Hall, they cannot pass the basketball. For all the good that I said about Villanova and Providence, Seton Hall does the exact opposite. They're throwing at each other's feet. They can't seem to get it there. Everybody's bobbling at everything. <laughs> they can't catch. They can't pass and catch. And it's such a minute detail, but it means so much. I'm sure you'll attest to that, Ashton. Oh, for sure. I, I think they just miss Bryce Aiken. You talk about a veteran point guard who can make plays. Um, also, they I, I expected a little bit more out of Kadari Richmond. Um, you know, some guys had him as an NBA player coming into coming into the season. And I think, you know, it's just been tough for him adjusting to the Big East. Um, but, you know, you talk about UConn. I, I love RJ Cole, the way he can yeah. play make. Uh, just veteran, makes good decisions. He can shoot the ball. Danny Hurley does a good job of bringing him off 
you know, pin downs, dribble handoffs. I, I love the way he uses them in half-court sets. So UConn is definitely a team to watch out for. Well, here's a guy that I that I hate to give credit because Doster is such a fan of, but Adama Sanogo, I'm not sure Tough. that he he does all of his work on the floor. Like he's a he's a athlete, like a solid athlete. He's not a great one. Like he's not somebody that's going to rise over top. But he does all of his worth work with brute strength on the floor. I'm not sure he's a pro. He's going to end up in Europe for a long time, making a lot of money. But he's not an NBA player. But, man, he is a beast. He rebounds. He stays on the floor. He gets deep post position. And that little right, right-handed right little, like, it's almost like a push little floater shot for about push eight shot. feet. Yeah. He's got that in, man. Like, yeah. he has perfected that shot. He's turned into a really good player because of it. All right, quick round the horn, then we'll get to some questions from the chat. How many second weekend teams does the Big East have in March? Because I, I think you could argue one in Villanova. <laughs> I would have said two weeks ago, you could argue six, honestly. And uh, look, you guys know this conference, I think, a little better than I do. Certainly you do, Ashton. T.O., you were just out there, so I'm going to trust your eyes more than I trust for, anything for, I'm watching through a TV screen. Huge, huge Big East guy, first of all. So, sure. Like, let's, like, I know you're a huge Big Ten guy. This is a huge Big East guy, right? <laughs> well, are you an ACC guy or a Big East guy? Because tonight I've discovered you're a Texas Tech guy. You're an Arizona guy. You're a big East guy. You know what it sounds like <laughs> to me, Greg? I'm a man of the people is what it sounds like <laughs> to me. That's fair. That's fair. President, President Oglesby, that's what we got. How many, how many teams make the second weekend, T.O.? I think it's, it's so uh, dependent, depending on matchups. This year, there's so many teams. There's not anything really top-heavy, but I will say the teams that can do it, Providence can do it. Villanova can do it. Connecticut with the right matchup. This is, a, this is a cop out. This is the presidential answer. Okay. Well, you know what? You're you're welcome, man of the people. Man of the people. Uh, me, give yourself the matchups you want. Who do you like? Who do you actually believe will do it? Not can do it. I think Providence, Villanova, and Marquette will find a way. Okay, I like that answer. I did not yeah. see Marquette coming from you. I saw the first two coming. Ashton, play so what much, about you? Play so much harder than everybody else, and they've got a pro on the roster. I have UConn as well, Providence, Villanova, and UConn, I, I would say, um, only because I, I, I really like R.J. Cole, but Tyrese Martin as well. They, they can defend, and they have guys that can score it. Um, like you said, Sonogo is, is a monster down low as well. So uh, Providence, Nova, UConn, um, they, they, all three of those teams have chances at least. So I'm, I'm going to take the under on three since you guys have set the bar there and I'm going to, this might be spicy. I think one of Providence or Villanova does not make the sweet 16. And then I think one team that is not Providence or Villanova makes it. And honestly, if, if Seton hall makes it, I still love those guys. I can't, that's the other wow. team besides Oregon. I can't shake. I love those wow. guys. And I know T.O. shaking his head. Cause you saw it firsthand. That was a very, very ugly basketball game, but they have no change of pace. And without Bryce Aiken, they have zero change of pace. It's all the same guy. They're all big, burly dudes, and they're not exceptionally skilled. Bryce Aiken gave that quickness, and he wasn't a. And he could pass the ball. He gave that skill. He gave that quickness. They're not going to win off skill. I'll give you that. But I do think they respond from what I've seen. I thought last night, or not last, whatever night it was against UConn, I just thought shots didn't go in when they needed them to for Seton Hall. I thought they responded. That could have been a blowout about 30 times from what I saw in that game. Never was. 
Uh, I like that trait from a team. And I love Jared Roden come March. So are, are they we'll going to be able to get in the tournament? They're six and eight. They're going to get in. They're going to get in. I'm confident. I'm uh, and I'm doing a favor for producer Dagan, who works so hard behind the scenes. He wants to hear us talk about it. <laughs> Speaking of producer Dagan, he's been monitoring the YouTube chat. Hit us with some questions here, Dagan. What do we got? Gentlemen, well, first of all, apparently, uh, T.O., uh, you've been fired. Uh, Rob Doster said you, you, you're fired. I, I'm assuming that's because of, of the, Mallard, the Mallard Duck comment. Is my is it the Mallard Duck comment or uh, is it the Yukon the slander? No, it was before the Yukon slander. By um, the way, I'm I'm getting shit on by a bunch of my Midwestern friends sending me pictures of Mallards right now. So that's that's on me, apparently. Gotcha. There, I will say I, I'm not a Midwest guy, but there are definitely Mallard Ducks in, in the Midwest. Um, Tio, here's, here's a good question for you guys. From your guy, David Benton. What are some power five bid stealers that you guys have? Well, sorry, power six. Can't can't leave out the biggies. Or at this point, maybe maybe Pac-12. Bid stealers. Carolina could be a bid stealer. Carolina could be a bid stealer because I don't think they're going to get in without an uh, ACC tournament uh, championship. They could be that. Uh, Gosh, I'm going through my mind right now. Who else could be a bid stealer, guys? Who do you think, Ashton? Carolina, Miami. Uh... It's got to be somebody else. So I'm. I'm, I'm I got. I got. Thinking. I got one for you. I just want to hear your thoughts. I could be way off, but Creighton, if they don't make it, do they have any chance in the Big East? I just don't. Th- I, I think like a young guard. I like their bigs as being reliable guys, but I. I just. It, I. I'm hard pressed to believe that they could win the Big East tournament. It's tough with Nimhart as just being so young. I don't, I don't know. It's you know yeah, the guard I, play is everything for me, and I just I don't love him. I feel like or, or here's I, I might one. almost here's another one. Oregon at this point. Yeah, I was I was gonna say I feel like I might answer that question dictated by the conference more than by the team. Like, do I do I think a random Pac-12 team could win that conference tournament? One hundred percent. Um, especially with UCLA playing how they have been lately, taking some nights off here and there. Washington like, State, Washington State could get hot. Yeah, that that that's one. Uh, MC Lee in the chat said St. John's. They have scoring. They have some talent. Uh, Posh Alexander better be as healthy as he's ever been in his life, but they could rattle off some wins. All right, we can move Champagne. on. Yeah, we can move on from that one. David Bentley, you, you stumped these guys. Ne- never, never knew that was possible. David, David Bentley's always stumping us. He's in the chat every night asking good <laughs> questions. Good hey, job, David there Bentley. There you go. Carter Elliott. Carter Elliott's still here after the Colin Gillespie talk. Who would have thought, right? <laughs> Does the Pac-12 team make a Final Four? Make the Final Four? No. No. Uh, so not even Arizona? Arizona. Yeah, I, th- Arizona. I think, I think, I think Arizona can make it. Yeah, I think a Pac-12 team does make the Final Four. I'm just going to go ahead and say that. First of all, and another thing before we keep going, Carter Elliott's YouTube cha- uh, YouTube picture is fantastic. It is fantastic. I'm pretty sure that's his old Gmail, if it's the picture I'm picturing. Freshman year of high school, Carter Elliott, I believe. He has a tie and glasses on. He looks like he's fresh no. out the cubicle. Yeah, home, homecoming man. <laughs> He does a great job, by the way. Hey, I think I, I'm, uh, not gonna, I'm not going to I'm not going to slander my man Carter. He does a great job, but that's a fantastic picture. <laughs> I think uh, UCLA would be my pick over Arizona. If it is one from the Pac-12, I'm still riding with the Bruins more than I, I don't trust Kirk Reese. That's a deal breaker yeah, for me. I have AZ. I have Arizona. Ben Matherin going on a Kimball Walker run. 
He's got to have the ball though. Kerr's got to, Kerr's got to understand like if that's Kemba, then who was the off guard with Kemba? Like Kerr's going to think he's Kemba in that situation. All right. I've got one more and I'll let you guys get to three cheers from MC Lee. He was in here talking about St. John's. He now wants to know why is Wisconsin being slept on? Because of the metrics. I'm, I'll take that from a Big Ten guy. I've, I've agreed that Wisconsin is currently being slept on. Nobody takes them seriously. You go around the conference, all the, the state, local coverage of teams. If it's not a Wisconsin paper or website or whatever, everybody rolls their eyes at the Badgers. I think the field of 68 actually doesn't because we give Johnny Davis a lot of praise. Um, and I, I don't think Johnny Davis is necessarily the national player of the year front runner that I know a lot of people have said on this network, but I think the surrounding parts are better than they get credit for. Brad Davison is not the last year, Brad Davison. He's been a really good role player for this team, capable of shooting a team to victories as a complimentary guy. Tyler wall is crucial to this team. We saw that when he was out for two or three games, he's a Swiss army knife who was the perfect Robin to Johnny Davis's Batman. Chucky Hepburn's been playing well lately. I know the numbers say they're a middle of the pack team and they do. It puts them like sixth in the conference in efficiency. If you look at the the quote unquote offensive defensive efficiency metrics, but you can't tell me a team that is that middle of the pack would find a way to win all of these games on the road that Wisconsin has consistently done this year. They went to Mackey and one, they went to the Breslin and one. You don't do that if you don't have the stuff to make a run in March. So uh, I guess uh, it literally just computer numbers point to them being like a Michigan State, Michigan level team right now. But they Michigan State and Michigan, they don't they don't have Johnny Davis. Also, the inside presence, I think, you know, compared to a couple of other Big Ten teams, they don't have that dominant presence that other teams, I think, do. You talk about Illinois, uh, Purdue, some of these others. It, it, it just puts a lot of pressure on Johnny Davis to dominate almost every game, especially heading into the NCAA tournament, you know, they don't, they don't shoot the three ball that well, Johnny yeah. Davis, Brad Davison and everybody else. I know they've had some guys play well, but uh, Tyler wall's been fine. He had one game where he exploded for three. Other than that, like he hasn't shot the ball at all. Uh, this team doesn't shoot the ball. Well, I think that's the biggest thing. Johnny Davis is going to give you a chance in every game that he plays because most games he's going to be the best player on the floor but they need a specific style and their supporting cast isn't great. That's why I think uh, Johnny Davis has to be that good. And that's why I think they're being slugged yep. on a little bit. That's fair. All right, Dagan, thank you for the questions. Thank you to everybody listening for uh, getting active in the YouTube chat. Please, if you haven't yet, click that subscribe button. Help us grow. You're not going to want to miss out on any of the great stuff that the Field of 68 is putting out as we get closer and closer to the NCAA tournament. It's my favorite time of night, boys. It's Thirsty Thursday. We have to wrap this show with our three cheers. I hope you brought a beverage. I personally have a strawberry lemonade, truly heart seltzer right here. Uh, Ashton, you take us off here first. Who are you cheersing to tonight? Uh, I'm a cheers to Musa Diabate. I think big time game, obviously big win for Michigan. Um, career high for him. Um, I think he's just coming to his own as a freshman. This is this was huge, especially coming down the stretch. The game is just slowing down for him and huge game, especially as a freshman on the road. Um, you know, cheers to the Abate. T.O. Cheers, sir. Cheers. All right. I'm, I'm going a little bit off the map here. Woo! This this team is 358th in Kim Palm. 
They have not had a win against Division I competition. The only two teams they have beaten prior to tonight is a school named Spalding. It is actually after the basketball and a school named East West. And they, that's a school that doesn't even know where they're at. Let's go <laughs> the IUPUI wow. Jaguars and coach Matt Crenshaw. They got their first division one win of the season. It's a team wow. that has some of the craziest thing you've ever, some of the craziest stuff that you've ever seen. They're sending out tweets to get extra players, but they found a way to win tonight. And I tell you what, Robert Morris wasn't ready to play the Jags. And my man, Matt Crenshaw, they're going to re-up next year. They're going to be a little bit better. I'm not saying they're going to be world beaters, but they're going to be better every year. My man, Matt Crenshaw, first division one win as a head coach. Cheers to you, sir. Cheers. cheers. I-U-P-U-I-T-O. Wow. The ooey pooey. Ooey pooey. Uh, I'm, I'm going to be completely honest here. Ashton stole mine. You know I'm a Michigan guy. I was going to give you about uh, this. We can't, we can't do oh cheers, though. So I'm going to scramble. And I'm going to actually do a double cheers, if that's all right with you. I'm going to start with a guy who yes, had a big, big performance tonight. Uh, a road win for Colorado State, who is now 21-3 and three on the season, who as of two weeks ago, there were some questions with this team. Were they going to end up winning this conference? Were they not? I think they figured some things out. They went on the road to the pit to beat New Mexico, who just beat Wyoming just two days ago in that very gym. Uh, that's a critical win for a Colorado State team at this point in the season. And David Roddy, 14 for 20 from the floor for 31 <laughs> points, nine rebounds, and two assists. That's uh, he's a killer, man. He's a matchup problem for everybody they're going up against night in, night out right now. And I can't wait for people to see him in March, quite frankly. He's a guy who can single-handedly get you wins in March. And he doesn't even need to do it single-handedly. When they got Isaiah Stevens, when they got the other guys on that roster, uh, I love this Colorado State team. So to David Roddy, number one, quick sip for you. Number two, I'm going to go the personal route, boys. I'm a high school coach in Kalamazoo, Michigan, in my little western state of Michigan area. We got senior night tomorrow night. Fellas, we are 12 and four this year. This is a group of seniors who, when they came into this program, we were three and 17 year one, 10 wow. and 10 as sophomores last year, I think 15 and five this year. Uh, as coaching. I just mentioned, yeah, coaching, coach, coaching. <laughs> Ashton knows. Ashton's like, yeah, for sure. <laughs> so we we got our senior night tomorrow. We're hoping we can leave it with a victory uh, to the Comstock Colts. Cheers. Cheers, Cheers Comstock. Fellas, this was very fun. I appreciate both of you. Uh, on behalf of Ashton Gibbs and Terrence Oglesby, my name is Greg Waddell. This was the Field of 68 After Dark. We will be back not tomorrow night. We will be back Saturday night after another fantastic slate of weekend basketball. We'll see you there. The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine. Stop noticing. But you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour 3-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. 
My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com. 